but it says when you focus on the problem, you lose sight of the child. And that is so true. If we focus on this problem of the behavior, we lose sight of the child who is struggling behind the behavior. And my heart as a mom is really to focus on the heart of my child and on the struggle of my child. I fail at that. I'm not saying I do it perfectly all the time, but that is my heart. And that's what I want to encourage you to do as well, is to focus on the child, not on the problem, and then find tools to help your child to work through the problem. Welcome to the Special Kind of Motherhood podcast. This podcast is for moms who are parenting differently abled children. Maybe you desire to switch to a more natural lifestyle to improve your family's health, but you have no idea where to start. You're longing for more routines and time, but every time you try to implement those tips that you spent hours researching, you realize that they don't work for your family dynamics. Hi, I'm Ashley, and in this podcast, we're going to focus on implementing routines, switching to a more natural lifestyle, and uprooting those old mindsets that are keeping you stuck so you can plant yourself firmly in the truth that Jesus offers. Our focus will be on creating small, customizable changes that will build upon one another over time to create real impact. If you want to hear from my mama, who has been raising several children with special needs and who knows how important it is to do this thing in a way that is sustainable and that doesn't add to overwhelm, then this is the podcast for you. Pop in those earbuds, reheat that coffee for the third time, and let's go. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I want to talk a little bit about what to do or specifically what I do whenever I have a child who is struggling with a meltdown or maybe has had some sensory overload and they're just very overstimulated and overwhelmed. I do want to say I am not a professional. I'm not offering professional advice. I'm just sharing as a mom who has kind of dealt with this for multiple years with multiple children, the tools that I have found extremely beneficial, different techniques that I have adapted that have worked well for my specific children. These are things that you can obviously do your own research on. You can try them for your children. Every child is very individual. So even if within my own family, for one child, something may work. And then if I try that with another child, it doesn't work. So these are just ideas from another mama who has been there, who understands, who knows that often when we're looking for a resource, a lot of times the most valuable resource we can find is a friend who has been there and who has tried things and is willing to share the things that they've tried. And that's what this episode really is. It's just a friend sharing the things that I have tried that have worked for me. Whenever it comes to specifically a meltdown or being overstimulated, I think it's extremely important to try to figure out what is triggering the reaction. So why is the child getting overstimulated? Why are they feeling overwhelmed? What is going on that is causing them to get to that point of what we would call a meltdown? And, you know, that can take a little bit of time to really narrow down what it is. But I know for one child, um, and not as much anymore, but for quite a while, large crowds, loud noises, things like that really, really bothered him. And so we had to be cautious about where we were going, what we were doing, those types of things, because it's not fair to my child. I, I know there's a situation that is going to overstimulate him, that's going to overwhelm him. And then if I could avoid that situation, but instead I knowingly put him in it, it's not really fair to him. He has no control over where I take him. So I think we have to evaluate what we're doing, be willing to adapt. Sometimes that means that we're going to miss out on stuff that we would like to do, but we just have to accept that that is what it is. We can always try to grow our child's ability to regulate. 
We can help them to learn coping mechanisms when they feel overwhelmed, but that may just take some time and it's totally okay that we may have to miss out on some things while developing these skills for our children. So again, I mean, I'm all about root causes. Let's get to the root cause. What's going on? Why are they feeling overwhelmed? Is there a sensory need that's not being met? Is there something that we can do to help them to counteract this? So that obviously our goal is for them to be able to participate in anything that they are able to do. But we do have to meet them where they're at and then give them the tools to move forward and to grow. Just like for me, um, I need tools. I mean, I struggle in areas and I need tools to be able to grow and to develop. And it's the same way for our children. So I just want to say to start out, the thing that I love is just making sure that we are not losing sight of the fact that there are children and just like us, they have struggles, they need to learn skills and tools to cope. And it may look different than, than it does for us. And that's totally okay. It's our job to help them. It's our job to equip them and to make sure we're not putting them in a situation and setting them up for failure and then getting frustrated with them because that's not fair to them. And I love this quote. I couldn't find who it was by, but it says, when you focus on the problem, you lose sight of the child. And that is so true. If we focus on this problem of the behavior, we lose sight of the child who is struggling behind the behavior. And my heart as a mom is really to focus on the heart of my child and on the struggle of my child. I fail at that. I'm not saying I do it perfectly all the time, but that is my heart. And that's what I want to encourage you to do as well, is to focus on the child, not on the problem, and then find tools to help your child to work through the problem. So for me, step one, whenever your child is overstimulated, overwhelmed, having a meltdown, however you want to describe it, it could be any of those, it could be all of those. The first step is, it starts with you actually, and that is for you to stay calm, for you to make sure that you are taking, for me, this is what I do. I have to calm myself. I have to take deep breaths. I have to be very intentional about the fact that I am not feeling very overwhelmed because my child is going to pick up on that and it is just going to amplify the situation. This is a skill that I have had to learn over time of not allowing my own stress and overwhelm to fuel, add fuel to the fire. And actually, I think that the root of this for me is mindset. So what I think about the situation is extremely important. So if I start thinking, oh my goodness, everyone's looking, everyone's judging me, everyone's thinking I'm a horrible parent. Why can we not go anywhere? All of these thoughts that I'm thinking while this is going on, it's just making the situation worse. Whereas I could actually, instead of kind of allowing those thoughts of insecurity and doubt to enter, what I would encourage you to do is in a time whenever you're not in this situation and your child is not having a meltdown, actually sit down and write out what is actually true, which is my child is struggling. I am doing the best I can with the skills that I have right now. I am going to be calm and it doesn't matter what someone else thinks about my parenting or my child because I, I myself and the Lord know my heart. We know our situation and I know I'm doing the best I can. I am going to be calm. I am going to help my child process these difficult feelings. And whenever I sit down and I write that in a moment of calm, and then I actually like write, don't just write it once. I'm saying write it in a way where you remember it. Like I'm remembering these things just off the fly because these are things I say to myself often. That has really helped me to remain calm 
because I'm not worrying about anyone else around me. I'm worried about responding in a way that I'm going to feel good about whenever it's all said and done. And I'm worried about my child and helping my child, not making my child stop the behavior, but helping my child. So I do deep breaths. I make sure I am lowering my own voice and I'm talking quietly and calmly. I'm not going to yell. I am not going to like increase the the pitch of my voice as if I am stressed out. I need to project that feeling of calmness and just kind of allow my child to know you're safe here. It's calm. I'm calm. I'm, I'm the regulator here. I'm, I'm not coming to meet you at your level of intensity. I'm going to regulate things and I am going to be calm. I have failed at this <laughs> many, many times, but this is my goal. This is the skill that I am working towards, that this is something that I know I can do. I'm responsible for me and I do have the capacity and the, and the skills in that moment to help my child through this. And it's something that's really important to me to do. And kind of what falls back to the, the quote I said about focusing on the child and not the problem is I would say to prioritize connection first with your child. So we're not going to be focusing on stopping the behavior. Instead, what I like to do, this is a skill I learned um, from, oh goodness, I can't remember her name. She has a podcast. It's called Unruffled. I love a lot of her stuff. And she talks about validating the child and acknowledging that they're struggling, acknowledging that something's going on. This is actually something that I have done. I've adapted with my children, especially children who will act out for attention, things like that. Um, And that is, I will say, I see you. I see you doing that. This is if a child were disobeying, you know, I see you doing that, but I'm not going to allow you. Or like in this instance of overwhelm, I would say, I see that you're upset. I see that he made you really mad. I see that you feel overwhelmed. I see that you're sad. So just validating their feelings so that they understand that I understand. Like they don't have to continue to just express all these feelings because they feel like I don't get, like mom does not get it. She does not understand that I am upset because I'm saying back to them, I see that you're upset. I see that he made you mad. And just letting them know I'm here with you. I acknowledge that this is going on. And if possible, of course, some of our children are going to avoid eye contact and that's totally fine. But if possible, making eye contact, um, putting your hands on their face, like gently on their face, that's a great way to build connection. Even if your child doesn't want to, um, to have eye contact, they don't have to look you in the eye for you to do that. I just will like gently put my, my hand on their cheek and say, I see that you're upset. And it's just letting, connecting me to them, letting them know. I'm here. I see you. I'm with you. I also will, you know, if it's possible, if your child is able to learn some techniques to help them to be calm, that's a great thing to encourage, especially to encourage at a, like to teach them at a time when they are calm so that they can obviously use those skills when they're not. But, you know, deep breathing, things like that, like, okay, you're feeling upset. How do you need to get away from everyone for a little bit and go somewhere quiet? Do you need to take some deep breaths? What is it for your child? And I think helping them and you, for instance, like with the deep breathing. So maybe I'm going to practice some deep breaths and show them that I'm taking some deep breaths and I'm lowering my voice and we're going to go somewhere quiet. I'm, I'm setting that example for them and teaching them through what, through what I'm doing, 
how they can just kind of regulate themselves. Because obviously that's our goal. We want them to be able to regulate themselves. They're struggling with that right now. And we're going to just take the time to learn some extra skills that we can show them by example how they can regulate. Another important thing is making sure that they are not hungry or thirsty, especially if they cannot communicate to you. I have a child that struggles with this a little bit. And um, if he gets very overwhelmed and very upset, I immediately give him food and water because it's very likely his blood sugar is low. It's very likely that he is hungry and or thirsty and he hasn't been able to communicate it. And so it's really actually just he has a need that that needs met that hasn't been met and he's expressing that something's wrong the only way he knows how. And so that is like my go-to and I've even communicated like to his therapist if this is going on, I would always check and make sure he doesn't need a drink or that he's not hungry because it's very likely that is what is going on. And a lot of times that is that just brings the whole the whole situation down. Everything's calm again because that need that he had has been met. And especially if you have a child who is not, is either completely nonverbal or can't communicate fully, you know, you're going to run into those things where they have a need and the only way they know to express it is with a behavior. And we just have to really kind of be a detective and figure out, okay, put the dots together. Every time this happens, they actually were hungry and thirsty. Okay, so when this happens, well, one, the first goal would be let's make sure we're obviously trying to give them food you know, at a pretty consistent time frame so that they're not getting to that point. But if, you know, life happens, if something happened, then we know our first, our first go-to is we're getting them something to eat and drink. Also, this has a way of bringing their stress response down in their body. So it gets them out of that fight, flight, or freeze response, which can help them to be able to regulate themselves because they're not just feeling like, like I said, they're not in that stress response. And so it's a little bit easier for them to calm down, to think clearly, and to be able to be regulated. So I think that's a super great tool to just kind of have, let's try this. If this is going on, let's make sure we're getting them something to eat and drink. Another great thing that we do is offering some kind of sensory input. What you use is going to depend on whether or not your child is a sensory seeker or a sensory avoider. I have a family full of sensory seekers. And so a lot of the same tools work for all of them, but not exactly the same. Like I mentioned earlier, some things that work for one child don't work for another. It's very individualized. You're going to have to do some trial and error to figure out what it is that they need and what works for them. Some things that we do, we have used weighted blankets. Um, we have like the weighted vest as well, although we don't use it anymore. But um, we have those, we have like the little rubber toys that they can chew on for that oral input if they need that. Um, and we've used those, you know, that you can get it either in like the handheld, you can get them on Amazon that you can, they can hold in their hand or you can get a necklace. Obviously with a necklace, you want to be mindful. It's a string around their neck. You don't want any kind of choking hazard or anything like that. But that works well for us. We have also like back scratches, hugs. Just different things like that. Try with your child. Maybe it is like I have a child, they need to go somewhere quiet. The sound is very overwhelming to them. So getting them away somewhere quiet. Another great thing that I like is there's actually a point on your sternum. And I will just take like my middle finger. And you can actually feel it'll be like a little indention there in, on your sternum. And it will actually help your body. So it 
it actually helps your body to get out of that fight, flight, or freeze response. It's going to calm your nervous system down and help your body to come out of that stress response. I have a child who responds very, very well to that. Like, okay, let me get you in a hug. Let me just put my my hand on your chest and I'm making sure I have like one finger. It's just a very light touch. You're not pushing in. It's just literally resting your finger there and I'm taking deep breaths. He's noticing I'm taking deep breaths. I have that, my finger on that pressure point. It's helping his nervous system to calm down. He knows he's safe. Those are things that we really like to do. Kind of on the mindset piece, I think, like I mentioned earlier, what we think about the situation really does kind of set up how the situation is going to go. So I think working on your own thoughts and attitudes about coming into a situation is extremely important. I think, you know, working through any kind of feelings that you might have of feeling like a failure, feeling like maybe you don't know what you're doing or you're not, you're not a good parent because your child is struggling. I think we really have to deal with those and replace them with truth and, you know, go to the Lord and ask him to show us what is true about our situation. Obviously we are all flawed humans. So there is likely something that you can work on that you can change. I know that's been true for me. However, typically we're not categorically failures as parents. It's just, yeah, sure, we have some things that we need to work on, but we're doing the best we can. And yes, we may need to learn some new resources or some different tools or things like that, but, you know, we are doing the best that we can. And I just want to remind you, whenever it comes to these situations that can be very trying, you know, I've had the these situations where people are just staring at me, and it's very uncomfortable. And I've actually gotten to where the point where I don't care anymore, but that's because I've had so many years of dealing with it. And I just want to remind you that don't let other people's judgments or feelings about your child and your situation affect what you know to be true. So someone who doesn't really actually see what's going on with your child and the struggles that are going on and maybe what what triggers set them off. Well, their judgment of that doesn't really matter because they don't actually have the full information. And so really being able to separate ourselves from that, I think is extremely important, but it is also something that takes time. It takes practice. And I just want to encourage you in that. And just also the other thing I want to encourage you in is just to remember that our children are precious. They are gifts from God, but they are not projects. They're not projects to be worked on. They're not things that we need to fix. They are people that we just need to sit and be with. So in those moments when they're having a meltdown, just figure out how you can just sit and be with them. I hope that this was super helpful for you. If it was, if there was something I shared that you feel like you're going to try with your child, I would love to hear from you. So anyways, that is going to be all for this episode and I will see you back next time. Hey, before you go, if you found value in today's episode or you learned something new, would you take a minute to share with someone else that you know would be blessed by it? I would also love it if you would leave me a review. This lets me know that you're enjoying the show and I love hearing from you. You can connect with me further over on Facebook or Instagram. Until next time, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constantly in prayer. Romans 12, 12.